We're in Matthew chapter 24 this morning, Matthew chapter 24. We are in the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, The lines have been drawn. The leadership is settled in their unbelief. Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem to praise and hosanna and blessed be the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, actually before he even gets to Jerusalem, pauses and stops and weeps over the city. He enters and cleanses the temple for the second time, did it three, three and a half years prior. Cleanses the temple and then closes the temple, shuts down business there as far as God's concerned. Uh, Of course, as far as man's concerned, they continue to conduct business as well. But the Pharisees have refused multiple invitations to the kingdom, and they decide they're going to try to enter the kingdom through their own method, through birth or through their own self-righteousness. Jesus, in chapter 23, exposes them for who they are. Uh, He pronounces eight woes upon the Pharisees and seven times calls them hypocrites And he calls them fools, blind, and serpents. He said they seek the praise of men. They love the titles. They love the chief seats. They're actually stopping others from believing and putting their faith and trust in Jesus. They take advantage of their clerical or their religious position and take advantage of widows. And he says they're covetous. They pretend to be in a relationship with God because they have these long, long prayers. But they don't keep their vows and they don't keep their promises and they have lots and lots of rules without righteousness. He said they strain a gnat and swallow a camel. The conclusion for the whole passage is he he looks at him and says, how do you plan to escape hell? How do you plan to escape? He said, I wanted to gather you. As he's talking to the whole nation of Israel, he said, I wanted to gather you, but you would not. I wanted to gather you as a hen would gather her chicks and you would not. And one day you will wish and long for my return. Leaving Jerusalem, Peter, James, John, and Andrew approach Jesus and ask him, why, why are you closing such a beautiful temple? And, and, and when will your people finally beg for your return? And Jesus said, not too long from now. This temple will be destroyed and not one stone will be laid on top of another. And Israel will go through some very, very difficult times. And it will take a while. There will be wars and rumors of wars and famine and pestilence and earthquake. This is all just the beginning of sorrows as the people of Israel will go through many, many things before they come to the point where they say, please, Lord, come back. Please, Lord, return. We talked about... Great Tribulation last week. And during what is considered the Great Tribulation after the abomination of desolation in the midpoint of the, of the seven-year Tribulation period, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And he says, my people will be hated. <laughs> they'll be delivered up, they'll be afflicted, they'll be killed. And by his people, he's talking about the nation of Israel. He's not talking about his disciples. Uh, there's other passages that talk about what the disciples will have to go through and what they will have to face. 
But he's talking about the nation as a whole that will suffer great tribulation. He said, the, he said, my people will turn on one another. They will be offended. They will hate. The people will follow a false prophet. Some of them will follow a false prophet and sin will be out of control. And we talked about the fact, he says, that sin's out of control. And he says, love becomes cold. And linking those two, and again, it was something that prior to this study a week or so ago, I linking love with sin. And it's like when I show lack of love for God, then I end up breaking those commandments that have to do with loving God. Lack of love for others, and all of a sudden now I'm breaking those commandments. And so lack of love is what brings about uh, sin in, in our lives. And so there's definitely a connection there. Jesus mentions, though, that the whole world is going to be warned during this tribulation time, and there'll, but there'll be a strong effort to eliminate all of God's people. He tells them, when you see the temple defiled, when you see this take place, when you see the Antichrist defiling the temple, he says, run. Just run. Head for the hills. He said, this is the time of Jacob's trouble. It begins. And basically, don't come out of hiding till I return. And he says, when I return, my return will not be a secret. You won't have to guess. You won't have to uh, suppose. Uh, there will be many false Christs. He said, there'll be many false leaders who will do signs and great wonders. They'll deceive people. Even the Antichrist himself and the false prophet will do so many miracles that people will wonder after the beast. And they were like, ooh, ah, oh, wow, look what he can do. And is there anybody greater than him? Is anybody better? And he says, even to the point where he would deceive almost everyone except those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. But he says, when I return, every eye will see. It will not, again, it won't be a secret. It won't be a secret arrival. If, if they say I'm over here or over there, he says, don't believe me, because when I come, every eye will see. It'll be as lightning in the heavens. In Revelation 19, John writes, I saw heaven opened, and a great host was there with the Lord himself. And in Zechariah 14, he comes and he puts his foot on the Mount uh, of Olives, and it splits in half. We continue in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 29. Matthew 24, verse number 29. We've gone from the beginning of sorrows to the great tribulation, and now we're talking about right up to the moment of Christ's second coming. And so what's going to take place from this point on? We're talking about events, you know, momentarily or, uh, you know, eminently uh, upon the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he starts out in verse number 29, says there will be unmistakable signs in the heavens. Verse number 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven or Jesus's arrival, his appearance. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Um, <laughs> the first thing he mentions is there's going to be unmistakable signs in heaven. The sun is darkened. The moon shall not give light. Uh, we'll have um, freezing temperatures one week and 90-some degree temperatures the next. That's four times. That's, that's, it's getting worse. All right. Um, the sun is dark and the moon shall not give light. Uh, the stars shall fall. The powers in heaven will be shaken as the Lord is about to return. And it says, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then the Lord returns. 
when these things begin to happen. He says, you'll see these unmistakable signs in the heavens. There's a passage in Joel chapter 2, a minor prophet in the Old Testament we're going to look at in just a minute. And I want to look at it in, in, both, in both scenarios, both, both things from the standpoint of the disciples ask, what's it going to take for your people to ask and beg and, and, and ask you to come back and, and want your return? And actually that question is somewhat answered in Joel, in Joel chapter number 2 because it's, it's not just what's going to happen but it's what needs to happen as far as God's people are concerned. So let's take a look. He says in Joel chapter 2, he says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes. It is near at hand. The day of the Lord uh, is, is a longer period of time, but it basically talks about the fact, it's usually described as a time of darkness and gloominess because there's, there's disaster. There has to be destruction before there's rebuilding things. And what takes place on the earth during the great tribulation and during this tribulation time is uh, there's 21 different plagues that take place. And, and the earth is devastated and, and even it is purged by fire. And there's great destruction. And, and so before all can be restored and God's kingdom can be set up. And before you know, the Lord returns, there's going to be much damage, much destruction, much turmoil. And so this period of time is described as darkness and gloominess and so forth. Sound an alarm. Next one. It's a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong there hath not ever been the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to years of many generations. He's talking, about, he's talking about an attack here that is coming upon the people of Israel. And it's a, it's a huge attack, great people and strong. This is our battle of Armageddon. This is where everybody's moving in to, to destroy and to, in my opinion, to get water and so forth. Fire devours before them. And, and it says, behind them like a flame burneth. In front of it, it's, it, the land is as the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them is a desolate wilderness. Yea, nothing shall escape them. It's almost like those cartoon things or, or whatever you see where, the, uh, <clears throat> where they have bands and bands of locusts. And in the front, it's like it's all this fertile fields and corn and grain and stuff, and it's just wonderful. And it's like, okay. And then once they've been through, what's, what's on the tail end? What's afterwards? And he says, he says this army is moving in like a fire. And it's just burning things up, and, it's, and, and in its wake, there's like nothing left. There's desolation behind it as uh, desolate wilderness, yea, nothing shall escape. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses and horsemen, is, and so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the top of mountains, they shall leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devours stubble. Uh, it's, it's that crackling sound of fire going through leaves or pine needles and... It's like, it's just consuming them like nothing. So easy. Devours as the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face, the people shall be much pained. All the faces shall gather blackness. This is not good. Those, those who are facing this army that is coming down, this is the Antichrist army coming down once and for all to finish and destroy and wipe out the nation of Israel and, and God's people once and for all. They will run to and fro. They'll be in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. They, they will be very successful in their attacks. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Therefore also now saith the Lord, 
turn ye even to me. When this happens, when you see this army coming in this fashion, consuming everything in its, in, it, in its wake, everything that as it approaches, nothing but destruction follows, and they're, they're into the city, they're destroying the city, they're all over the place, they're over the walls and everything. It's like, okay, you better, at this particular point, you better turn unto the Lord. They're asking, he's asking, he says, turn even unto me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Tear your heart, not your garments. Usually they would tear their garments uh, in, in signs of, of mourning and sorrow and sadness and, and repentance. They would rip and, and, and uh, tear their garments and put on sackcloth and ashes and so forth. He says, forget the clothes. He says, tear your heart. He says, rip your heart open and, and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. He would change his mind. The word repent means to change your mind. And he says he can change his mind. This is what looks like it's going to happen. But if you turn to God, turn on the Lord your God, he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Who knoweth, this is kind of a question, but it says, who knoweth if he will return to repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. He said, do, you know, do whatever you have to do, because God is your only hope at this point. Turn to God. He is your only hope. He is your only recourse. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. And let those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep before the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord. Please, God, spare us. And give not thy heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and will pity his people. But I will remove far off from you that northern army, I'll drive him into a land barren and desolate, with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And when I drive this army away, and they're all dead, they will stink. Their stink shall come up, and his ill savor shall come up, because he has done great things. They've amassed great wonders and done many things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things things. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and nobody else. And my people shall never be ashamed. You will not be sorry that you chose me. Never ashamed. And I will show you wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon unto blood, before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. That sounds familiar. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, and the Lord hath said, in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. What's it going to take? <laughs> What's it going to take for God's people to say, oh, we want the Lord's return. Lord, we need your help. That's what it's going to take. A terrible destruction, a terrible army that moves in. He says, turn with all your heart, fear not. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You thought that was in Romans. 
It is, by the way. But. Unmistakable signs in the heavens. Unmistakable signs. What, what's it going to take? What's it going to be? He talks about the Lord's return, verse number 30 again, Matthew 24, verse 30. It shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. <laughs> You've got to ask the question in 30. It says, and then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn when they see the Son of Man coming. Why are all the tribes of the earth sad and mourning when they see the Lord coming and returning? Well, it's because they've made a wrong choice. Because they chose to receive the mark of the beast. They chose to worship the Antichrist. They chose to follow that way. Oh, who is like unto him? Who is greater than the Antichrist? Who can do what he does? And look at the miracles. And all of a sudden they go, oh, uh, whoops. Wrong one. We chose to be loyal to the wrong one. The wrong thing, the wrong person. When they see the Lord coming, this is not good news for the masses of people on the earth. It is not good news. Oh, God's people will rejoice. No question about this. Remnant will like, woo-hoo, okay? When you think it's worse, look unto heavens because your redemption draws nigh. It's like, oh, man, this is, like, this is better than the Old West with a Calvary is coming, okay? Uh, it's, it's coming before the, before the Indians finish us all off. Oh, I don't know if that's politically correct. I don't know if I can say that. Oh, okay. Uh, anyways, um, this is better. And, and God's people, that remnant, will rejoice. But the masses of people, they do not. They mourn. They cry. They weep. This is bad news for them. This is sadness. When they see Jesus, <laughs> you know, we have all these songs that talk about you know, rejoice and happy when we see Jesus, you know, um, not for the people of the world. They will have made a mistake. And here, this phrase which says, my people will not be ashamed. And again, I've, I've emphasized this over and again. When we talk about this word ashamed, it means that I, I made the wrong choice. If you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never be ashamed. You will never get to the point where it's like, oh, crumb, I made the wrong choice. Now, again, you might act that way. You might act ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you'll never, be, you'll never be sorry you made that choice. But these people are sorry about the choice, and they mourn. And, and all God's people are gathered. At verse number 31, he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and one end of heaven to the other. All of God's people are gathered together. The earth will not be very happy about this event. And then he goes on to say God's people that are living at this particular time, People that are living in tribulation should have a pretty good idea when this is going to happen. We talk about the fact that the rapture is, is an event that could happen at any point at any time, and we don't know the, the day or the hour or when the rapture can take place. It could just happen anytime. And, and there are really, you know, for what it's worth, there really are no signs for the rapture. There's no signs for the rapture. There are signs for Christ's second coming, but not for the rapture. The rapture will just happen. But as far as the second coming is concerned, it will still catch people by surprise, but it should not. He says in verse number 32, he says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. And again, he's talking to his people Israel. You can tell when all this stuff is about to happen. Learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth his leaves, 
you know that summer is night. You, this, the, you, you know about the seasons because of what's taking place. The fig tree comes out, uh, tender branches. These, are coming to, these branches are coming to life. Um, every single one of us goes by a tree or a bush and looks like, man, it looks dead to me. And you go, snap. Yep, it is. Okay. But if you go to it and it goes, dur, 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 dur. oh, hey, it's alive. There's some life in this branch because it didn't snap and break off. He says, you have a, a fig tree that is coming to life and leaves. You can tell the seasons. And here we, we do it by, oh, I saw a robin. Frogs. Um, <laughs> morel mushrooms. There's a certain time when you find those. After it rains and rains and rains and rains and rains and rains. And, rains. Uh, and then even, uh, for me, um, turtles. Our little uh, place down here, uh, the first week of June is when the turtles come out and they lay eggs everywhere, okay? Just right before camp, they get their eggs and they put them in the sand pit over by the, uh, the uh, horseshoes and in the volleyball court. They come out and they lay all their eggs and just at the right time, uh, right before camp's ready to start. And it's like you, you can tell, you can tell what time of year it is because of nature and the events that you see. And he's saying the same thing. He says, observe this. He says, you can tell by these events. Your, your eyes will tell you. Verse 33, likewise, when you see all these things, verse 33, know that it is near even at the door. He said, these are events, when you see these events happening, you know it is like, it is eminent, it is right here at the door. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. A lot of people try to make a big deal about this generation, and it's like, how long is a generation, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? All he is saying is that the people that see this thing happen, they're the people that are going to, it's going to happen. It's you and I, you know, uh, we are part of this generation. I don't care how old you are, okay? But if it says something like, if you see this happening in Washington or you see this happening or taking place, the people that are alive and present and see these things happening, that generation will not pass. This is, it, it's, it's time. It's time. It's at the door. The generation, uh, the people that are alive now, and he says, I give you my word and here's how he does it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I give you my word. It is now. It is time. It is any second. He says, you start to see these things. He says, you might not know the exact day or the exact hour, but man, you will know the season. You will know that it's about to happen. You and I are doing this now. Actually, wrongfully doing this now, sorry. Uh, when we say like, ooh, look, it's all these storms and all these earthquakes and all these wars. Oh, we're getting near the end times, okay? All those signs are for Christ's second coming. And some of these things have been going on for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Michigan's weather has been messed up forever, Okay? This is not a new phenomenon. Oh, the Lord's returning because Michigan. No, no, no. Okay. Everybody might get raptured except the people in Michigan. I don't know. Um, but the idea here is, he says, when you see these things happen, boom, the sun, moon, and are darkened, and this army is moving in. And he said, this is what you need to do. He said, you're going to see these things. You know. My return is like any second now. At the door. He's at the door. This generation will not pass. I give you my word. And then he will go on to say, uh, uh, again, the, the day or the hour, 
No one knows the exact day or the hour. And even unbelievers will be caught by surprise. You would think it's impossible to be caught by surprise. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but take yourself back to Noah's day. There's this crazy guy that talks about the fact that it's going to rain so hard which has never happened ever before. To the to best of our knowledge, there was no rain before the rain that came before the flood. It was a, there was a mist that covered the land and watered the land. It's going to rain. Water is going to come from the sky and drown everything. I am building this humongous boat. We're going to save animals. We're going to save my family. And, and you're welcome to join. And he's a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years. Obviously, when he first starts gathering pitch and wood to build this ark, and, and, he's, and he started to put the framework together, what is the chance of it raining? Zero. But as he gets closer to the end, and this boat is getting almost finished, and it's closer to being done, and they begin to see the animals gather, would you not think, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen now? Right? There's a period of time where it, does, it looks like pfft, it, it can't possibly happen or take place unless this guy and his kids finish this thing overnight. But there's a point in time where this is the last board that's been attached. This is the last piece that's put together. We're close. We're close. Remember my children, very, very small in age, we've got an above-the-ground swimming pool down in Florida. And we put it up, and it took, oh, my goodness, to put it up. Um, I, I swore on that day that uh, if we ever put another one of these up, somebody else is doing it for me, okay? It was, I had every kid in the neighborhood holding the walls of this pool into a little track this, you know, this, 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 this deep, and you have to put these things in. Anyways, we finally get it up, and the water starts going in. My three kids are in their swimsuits, okay? This is, uh, this is a, uh, oh, uh, it's an oval pool about 30 feet in length, uh, you know, and, 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 and it's a garden hose, okay? And, and they're sitting in their swimsuits on the couch, and they can't wait to go swimming. I'm like, <laughs> we're not quite ready for that yet, okay? Now, we did do this. Uh, this is my cruel, I, I told them, I said, this is one of the best days for your mom and I, because this gives us one more thing that we can take away from you when you disobey. Uh, this is getting too frequent, I think, too frequent. All right, so anyways, the idea, the idea here is, can you not see that this boat is just about finished? Can you not see the animals gathering? He's actually taking animals up the gangplank, up into the boat. Should there not be some warning? Should there not be some like, okay, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen now. They are not even aware of that. <coughs> Notice what it says. Verse number 36. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Angels don't even know, nor the angels of heaven, but only my Father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the coming of the Son of Man shall be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. 
and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall be the coming of the sun. It's like, it's almost one of those things where it's being washed away. Yeah, I think he's right about the flood. (laughs) No kidding. Okay. Uh, They knew it when they're all being taken away. No man knows. No angel knows. And it kind of says only God knows. This is kind of an interesting one as well. This puts a number of other things into perspective. The, we had a wedding just the other day. I've got it ringing in my ears, and I hope it's just me, not everybody else. Um, we had a wedding just yesterday. The Eastern weddings, or the Jewish weddings, go something like this. The bridegroom comes, and he makes his offer to the, to the father of the bride, and says, this, I'll give you this, and this, and this, and this, and this. Uh, and he makes the agreement. The bride accepts the offer, and then the bridegroom leaves, and he begins to prepare a home, begins to prepare a place, and I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also, okay? Uh, he goes, and he goes to the father's house, and usually what he would do is he would add on to the father's house. He's adding on a room or a place for he and his wife to be, and it's adding on to the house that's eventually going to be his, and he's going to inherit all things. It's all going to be, it's all going to be his. And the way this works is the father must give approval of the son's construction before he can go back and get the bride. Because if it's up to the guy and it's like, okay, oh, so uh, as soon as I get the place ready, and so he gets some you know, uh, old um, cardboard boxes from you know, washing machines and refrigerators and duct tapes them up and, okay, we've got a place. We've got a place to dwell. I'm going to go, no. The father is the one who oversees, and it says, when the place is ready, when it is acceptable, then I will let you go back. I will send you back to get your bride. Kind of awesome, okay? Because evidently, um, Jesus is still working on it, and God's not quite finished with it yet. And so when that time comes, only the father knows. Only the father is the one who says, now it's time. Now you can go. And so the father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, great wickedness. Warning of judgment, unbelief. They saw the ark. They saw the stages. But they're going about their daily lives, their normal life and their business. They're eating, they're drinking, they're marrying. And they literally are taken by surprise. How is this possible? Did you not see the clouds? Do you not see the boat? Did you not hear the message? They're unaware. They're unprepared. They're unbelieving. Despite plenty of evidence. And here they are taken in judgment. Notice, please, in verse number 40. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one taken and the other left. By the way, in 1969, a song was done, I wish we'd all been ready. It, the song is about the rapture, and that's not what this passage is about. And here's about one taken and left. He's, oh, they're taken in the rapture. No, these people are taken in, in, in fire and damnation and destruction. The ones that are taken are taken to, to judgment. This is not a... Uh, again, to be taken is not a good thing. At the rapture to be taken is a good thing, okay? We're probably, most of the people are like, oh, wow, all these people have disappeared. Boy, we're lucky to still be here. <laughs> wrong. Okay, wrong. But at this particular event, the ones that are taken, they're taken in judgment. He says, because if you notice verse number 39, he knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And now these are taken, they're taken, and no one left. 
A warning to Israel, verse 42 through, 40, or through 51. I don't know if we have time for all of this, but he says, please watch, therefore. Watch. Because you do not know exactly the hour that the Lord doth come. But do know this, if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. He says, you know enough information. And, and here's what's implied in this. The different watches of the night. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, night is 6 o'clock, sun goes down. 6 o'clock, sun comes up. Okay? Uh, it's 12 hours of the night. They're divided into four watches of the night. If you knew that the thieves were going to come from 12 o'clock to 3, somewhere between 12 midnight and 3 a.m., the implication is, Jesus makes the implication, if you knew Instead of staying up 12 hours and watching and being on guard for 12 hours, you would certainly watch during those, if you knew for sure, it was sometime in those three hours, you would certainly do this. Uh, people do this, repair people do this. We will be coming to your house somewhere between 8 o'clock and noon, okay? And then sometimes it's 8.01, okay? And sometimes it's 8.01 p.m., Okay. Uh, but they're telling you, and you're, but you're ready for them. You're there, you're ready for them. They're coming sometime during this period of time. I, this is where I share the, the um, Sand Lake Party Store before it was at the Marathon Station. I uh, had a place um, over in Ottawa uh, where they served their ice cream, and there was a sign on the door that said, uh, there's an old man with a shotgun watching the establishment uh, three days a week. And it said, you guess the days. Okay? That's, and it's, so it said, you guess the days. I'm like, that's pretty effective, okay? But the idea is if, if there's 12 hours to watch, well, that, but if you knew there's only three, these bad guys are going to come between 12 and 3, okay? Man, I'd alert the police. I'd have everybody. We'd be ready for them. I can, I can watch for three hours, and that is what is implied here. He says, he says, you know the season. You should be aware of this thing. You should be uh, alerted to this. Watch, and the word watch in verse 42 is continually watch. If you knew the watch, and you should, by all the signs and all the different things, you should know the watch. This would not happen. So he says, be ready, therefore. Verse number 44, therefore be ready. For in such an hour you think not the Son of Man comes. Be ready. Verse 45, be faithful. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant? whom the Lord hath found ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all of his goods. He's telling Israel, when you see this happening, get ready. Be prepared. This is the same as John the Baptist. The Messiah is coming. Uh, you know, prepare for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, the, the Lord is coming. Be ready. Be faithful. Be wise. Feed the household. Feed my sheep, is what Jesus told to Peter. Be blessed. To be envied is the servant who is serving when the Lord returns. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Keep doing what you've been asked to do. Give the right opinion of God. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. Tell others how to be reconciled to God. And then he says, You'll be rewarded. He says, verily I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Be ready, be faithful, be wise, be blessed, be rewarded. 
But if you don't care, then you will be part of unbelieving Israel. You'll be the evil servant. He'll say in his heart, oh, the Lord delays his coming. And, and he begins to take advantage of his fellow servants. And again, he's ref, there's a reference here to the Pharisees and their actions and their behavior against their own people. Oh, they'll eat and drink with the drunken. More interested in covetousness and things. More interested in, in <laughs> enjoying life now. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, in an hour that he is not aware of, and he'll cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Hmm. Previous chapter, who's the hypocrites? What's happening to him? How are you going to escape hell? And there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says, my people Israel, you will know. You can see it. This is what's happening. When you see these things happening, be ready. Be watching. Be faithful. You know it. It's at the door. The time is right. But if you decide to ignore this, and somehow you don't see the big boat, if you don't see the big picture, you don't see what's happening. You are not observant of what's going on around you. He says, I, then you're evil servants. He said, if you can't see it, you don't understand it. You'll be cut asunder, cut out from the remnant, hell, damnation, lake of fire, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is for the people of Israel, and this is for another time, and this is the end of the tribulation period. But as for us, and the, re the reference that has been made to the rapture, what should I be doing? If I really do believe, and I look around and the signs are that the, I mean, it looks like the rapture could happen at any time, at any moment. The scene is set. Everything is ready. What should I be doing? I believe you should be doing these three things. Number one, you should be glorifying God's name. And the way you glorify God's name is give the right opinion of God. Live your life in such a way that it gives the right opinion of who God is. Number two, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then let people know how they can be reconciled to God. Let people know how they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. God has given to you the gift of reconciliation. You've been made peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell other people how they can know that same thing. Glorify God in your life and your body. Give the right opinion of God. Love him with all your heart. And tell other people how they can be reconciled to God. And when the Lord comes back, he's going to find his servants serving. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do till the Lord returns? Serve. If you're a servant, serve. Servants are supposed to serve. And he says, I will reward them. Uh, those that are faithful servants. Those that are faithful. By the way, if you do that every day, you won't have to worry about what day the Lord returns. It won't make any difference to you. It won't make any difference. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. Father, a strong passage in regards to what is yet ahead. Father, things that we can't even fathom in our mind uh, how these things will happen and how these things will take place and just the awesomeness of the day and the time and the events. And Lord, what it would take for your people to finally come to a place where they're begging and crying out and pleading for you to come back and save them and deliver them.
Father, may we be faithful. If we are your servants, if we are your stewards, it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. May we, Lord, with all of our being, do our best to give the world the right opinion of you, to love you with all of our heart, and to tell people how they can be reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this opportunity to hear the word preached at Factoryville Bible Church. Factoryville Bible Church is a non-denominational church in Athens, Michigan, that seeks to share the good news of the gospel through a number of ministries in the area, including Factoryville Christian School, Camp Elvin, and the Passive Forward Shop. To learn more about the ministries of Factoryville Bible Church or to support the mission of our church, visit our website at factoryvillebiblechurch.com. Thank you.